right. Man, I love it. I love it. What a beautiful day. I've been enjoying, I like the cold in the morning and then a little warmer in the afternoon. You need shorts and a t-shirt, jacket in the morning. It's wonderful. Glad to see your faces. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, I hope you had a great week. My week was crazy busy, but I am glad to be here with you this morning. If you are a guest, please uh, go to the, the table back there. We have a gift for you for a way of, for us to say thank you. Uh, we have connection cards in the seat backs in front of you. Uh, you can fill those out and put them in the uh, receptacle, we'll call it, back there by the kiosk. Um, <laughs> if you didn't have an opportunity to bring your uh, gifts up front, uh, back in the back, we still have the kiosk there you can give or at lifechurchutah.com. Um, thank you for continuing to be faithful. I feel like I am a stuffy can right now. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, I'm sorry, because <laughs> you got to listen to me talk for another 35 minutes. Um, and then something that's kind of exciting that's coming up, uh, May 23rd, we are going to be doing water baptisms. So if you are interested in being baptized, um, we will have more information coming up, but I just want to get it on your radar. You can come talk to me, but uh, May 23rd is the day. So... It was the Christmas season, and I was sitting in my living room with Daddy in his chair, Mama by the fireplace, and Grandpa across the room smoking his pipe, as he always did, Grandma leaning on the counter in the kitchen, and my three sisters playing on the floor. It was especially cold that winter. There was more frost on the windows than was typical, and the air smelled of that sweet pipe fragrance, a smell that I have always loved. The sound of the fireplace crackling and popping in the background, giving off enough heat to fight the cold temperatures outside. We found ourselves huddled all around the radio, listening intently. The volume turned to near max, the speaker humming and giving its white noise as proof that it was on. We sat in anticipation in waiting to hear what the president would say. Then all of a sudden, the white noise was replaced with the sound of applause, which sounded kind of like a louder white noise. Then came on a gentleman. He said something, but I couldn't remember because my mind was too distracted. It was racing with many different thoughts. You see, I understood the weight of the moment better than my sisters, but my parents and grandparents seemed as though the weight of the world was sitting on their shoulders. They seemed as though they didn't even want to speak which was unusual because when grandma and grandpa were around, it was usually quite loud. So I knew something was weighing heavily on their minds. So I listened even more intently, determined to grasp the levity Mr. of this Speaker, moment. And then I heard... Members of the Senate, of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. 
The United States was at peace with that nation and at solicitation of Japan, still in conversation with its government and its emperor, looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Indeed, one hour after Japanese air squadrons had commenced bombing in the American island of Oahu, the Japanese ambassador to the United States and his colleague delivered to our Secretary of State a formal reply to a recent American message. And while this reply stated that it seemed useless to continue the existing diplomatic negotiations, it contained no threat or hint of war or of armed attack. It will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. During the intervening time, the Japanese government has deliberately sought to deceive the United States by false statements and expressions of hope for continued peace. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. Yesterday, the Japanese government As I listened, my mind wandered. How could they? We were in peace talks. They were just going to sucker punch us like that? Now I understood even more why everyone was so intense. As my thoughts and my emotions raced, my attention was brought back to the radio when I heard these words. Are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. As the president finished his speech, we all sat there, silent. No one was talking, not a word. Daddy just sat there with his hand on his chin, pulling at his beard, and Mama just stood there with her elbow on the mantel, her face in her palm. Grandma now changed positions by leaning back on the other counter, and 
Grandpa seemed to draw from his pipe with a little more vigor. And still my sister's oblivious. Really, for the better, though. They didn't need to worry about what was going on. But in that moment, there was so much to process, so much to say, but not knowing how to say it. The president had called the nation to action. He had declared that, by God, this action would lead to vindication. It was time to step up. It was time to do something. It was time to get involved. There was a war that needed to be won, a war that would be won. My friends, this morning, this is what we are going to talk about today, a call to action, a call for us to pull our weight in the kingdom of God. What happened after the resurrection? What was the attitude of the disciples? Did Jesus charge them to do anything? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. As you turn there, as I got to the end of this message, this was the thought I had. We are charged with loving and reaching the world. Nothing super deep, nothing super hard, but incredibly impactful to our generation. We are charged with loving and reaching the world. Let's look at what it says in Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word, and I thank you for this opportunity to look at what you have asked us to do. And I pray as we go through this message and as we go through the text that our hearts would stay soft and that our minds would remain open, that we would hear what it is you are saying to us this morning. As we examine this idea of being called to action. We love you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I came up with that story of World War II for a few different reasons, and I will touch on them as we go through the message, but I think the easiest thing to deduce is a call to action. We are called to do something. You know, the, the, the disciples felt that the attack of Jesus was probably like the attack of Pearl Harbor on America and the United States. They didn't see it coming. Even though they had been warned explicitly time and time again, it was still a surprise to them. They didn't see it coming. So they were in this place of confusion, confusion and bewilderment. They, they didn't know what was coming. They were down. They were depressed. They, even though that there were people that came to them that they trusted, Jesus is risen from the dead. He is not in the tomb. There were still some that doubted. And then Jesus appears to them, and he talks with them, and he explains things to them. And we find this recorded in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. 
and it says this. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. See, even though the disciples had lived and experienced ministry with Jesus, they missed what it all meant. He had to come and fulfill everything that was written about him in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. His primary goal to reconcile mankind to the Father. That was the reason he came, to show the love of God to people through bridging the gap between us, between mankind and the Father. Something you might find interesting is so much emphasis in the Gospels is put on the crucifixion, but not really a whole lot on the resurrection. And uh, we dug up some stats, and it's kind of interesting. Eight out of 660 verses in the book of Mark, that's 1.2% are about the resurrection, while 11.5% are about the crucifixion. In the book of Matthew, 15 out of 1,071 that's 1.4% are about the resurrection, while 76 about the crucifixion. And it's 3.6% in Luke and 3.5% in John. Nearly 9% of the New Testament is dedicated to the crucifixion. We might be surprised by this, but one thing we need to realize is the act of the cross was only done by one person, one time, and it was over. There was only one that fulfilled all the required steps, all the required things to, to make the sacrifice approved by God. It was one and done. It is done. It is finished. Jesus had fulfilled everything, paying the penalty. But then you get to the epistles, and the resurrection is riddled throughout the letters. Why? The resurrection is for all of us. We live in his resurrection. The Bible says that at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That we are being renewed daily. Our minds are being renewed. They're being resurrected back to life in Christ. You see, this is what the apostles needed to understand. Christ had to do the fulfillment of the law, but then he charged them, charged us, to do our part. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Now, a little while back, I had talked about missions and how we tend to think that missions is in a far-off land. It, it's, it's somewhere else. It's, it's Africa. It's India. It's Iceland. It's, I don't know, Antarctica. So, somewhere besides here, and we say, you know, it's not for me. I, I'm here in Tooele, but it's for someone else. Here's the thing, though. We can use that as a cop-out. Uh, Harrison has started playing baseball. I should have included a picture. They just did baseball pictures yesterday, and he's pretty dang cute. 
Um, sorry, I should have put a picture in there. But um, Allison is on cloud nine. I'm, I love being at the baseball games. It's fun, but I think she literally gets a high. Um, it goes back to her brother playing baseball for many years and growing up on the field. And so when we're there, she's just, ah. And um, to be honest, I don't know. There's nothing like eating a burger from the, sn the snack shack. Those are the best frozen burgers in the world. <laughs> I don't know why, but they are just delicious. But um, now it doesn't matter where we go. Allison is great with meeting and talking with people. And baseball practice is no different. By the time we were done with practice, she pretty much knew the life story of the coach's wife, where they had lived, why they moved away, why they came back, where they go to church. You know, she's just personable that way. You know, and when we left, I told her, I was like, you amaze me. Everywhere you go, you are always engaging people and inviting them to join us on Sunday. And she looks at me in typical Allison fashion, and she's like, it's not that hard. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> but th there's something I know, I've noticed about her, and I've noticed about the disciples. They have this urgency to reach the lost. They love people. You know, I was talking with a, a good friend of mine a while back about church growth and different things like that, and she told us that God had really been working on her heart, giving her a burden for the lost. And she asked us the question, do we really care that people are out there and don't have the freedom they can find in Christ? Do we really care that there is peace there for them to take and they don't have it? Do we really care that people are perishing without knowing who Jesus is? You know, and it made me think, there's three things Jesus could have done when he left, you know. He could have just saved everybody. Like, all right, bam, all my numb robots, it's done. I did the work, let's, let's blow this popsicle stand. He could have just left. See you guys. I did the work, take care, and gone up to heaven. But what he did is he promised the helper to come and challenged his disciples to share the good news. He decided on option three. Why? Because your story has value. Your story has merit. When I can say that God walked me through, fill in the blank. I know he will do the same for you. That has value. But... I'm not a public speaker, but I'm an introvert, but I don't really know the Bible very well, but I don't like people. If that's you, maybe we should hold off a little bit because we need to work some things out, but, but for the other ones, you know, and I'm, I'm going to, not everyone's called to be a public speaker. Not everybody is called to stand up here and talk to a crowd of people. I get that. They're not. But I'm an introvert, and I'm going to step on your toes right now, introverts. We need to kind of get over it. Even as an introvert, you can love people. You can befriend people. You can engage with people. But I don't know the Bible really well. Jesus called fishermen. He didn't call Bible scholars. 
He didn't call the religious. Those are the people that he was accusing them of hypocrisy. He called everyday people. My friends, we can make an excuse for just about everything. And as much as I love seeing your faces and having your biscuits in these seats, there's a lot of empty seats in here. I see some opportunity for us to get better at reaching those around us. You see, the Great Commission is not about a preacher on Sunday or a program on Wednesday. The Great Commission is about us, you and me, being Jesus to the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yes, I'm going through all of them, Saturday, <laughs> and even Sunday. Every day of our lives, we come in contact with people. I see people that you will never meet. You see people I will never meet. There's a lot of people that won't come sit here until you meet them and talk with them. We have had events. We have invited people to come and join us. But yet, where are they? We need to go build relationships outside these four walls. We need to go out and love on people where they are. You don't have to be perfect to sit here. You don't have to be have it all together to be a part of this family. You don't have to be, I don't know the, the right word, but come as you are. But you see, we got to love people where they are. He said, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Can I let you in on a little secret? Your neighbor is in the category of all in the world. Your coworker is part of all the world. There are opportunities all around us every single day. Every single day. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't. And here's the thing. We, when we talk to somebody about Jesus, it's not we're taking the baton and beating them over the head with it. It's no, let me get involved in your story. Where are you at? What's your struggles? What's your joys? Let me rejoice with you. Let me cry with you. Let me pray with you. You know, I, I've made incredible headway with people at work, not because I stand at my desk and proclaim Jesus, but I listen to them talk. And it's like, man, I'm sorry. Can I pray with you? And then they come back and they say, I, there might be something about this prayer thing because my mom's doing a whole lot better. Well, praise God, my friend. That's God working in your life. It's nothing that's super hard or super difficult or we don't need to get caught up in, I need to know everything. Share your story. What has Jesus done for you? What has he pulled you from? What has he rescued you from? What has he given you peace from? Where has he given you strength where you felt like you couldn't have strength? Where has he encouraged you? But I don't have skills. I don't have talents. I don't have time. Do you remember when we talked a while back about the Old Testament? And they were, the Israelites were getting ready to build the tabernacle. And God challenged all the people to bring all the stuff to build it. And then he said, I will send these people to build 
the tabernacle. They will have the skill set. They will know what to do to build the tabernacle. I have given them the skills. See, God gave them skills to complete the work. Do you think when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, that he didn't give us the skills? Our skills look different. The, you know, Paul explains that we are one body but many parts. We like to think that this is, this is the part right here because you can see me. But no, There's, we got toes, we got fingers, we got ears. We all have our role. We all have our talent. We all have something we can do. My friends, you have skills. You have talents. You have abilities. You can minister where you are. I'm not saying quit your job and become a preacher. I'm saying love people where you're at. Show them. Share with them. Tell them of the good things God has done for you. Because we are charged with loving and reaching the world. To close, why did I use the analogy of World War II? Why did I make up a story about grandma and grandpa sitting around the fireplace? Ephesians 6, 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are at war. The war is not with my fellow man. My war is with the one that wants to destroy their soul. And if we, who are charged to go and make disciples of the nations, don't go and make disciples of the nations, the enemy wins. People die without knowing the saving grace of Jesus. Because in the heart of every believer is the good news of the gospel. And Jesus wants us to share that good news, to share our story with the world. Because it's his desire that none should perish and all have eternal life. Are we living with a sense of urgency and willing to share the source of eternal life with those around us? Are we willing to step outside our comfort zones, pray for a passion, a burden for the lost, and go and make disciples? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you've decided to partner with us to bring people into your kingdom. You have given us an active role. And even though sometimes we might be able to make an excuse for whatever reason, I pray that you would give us a burden for the lost, that we would have a desire to see people come to know the peace, to know the grace, the love of Jesus. We just celebrated you last weekend in the resurrection. Lord, help us to live in that excitement to live and share the good news of the resurrection of God because we live with you in that resurrection. I pray that you would put a, a burden in our hearts and, and a desire to share you with the world. Lord, I know it can be 
scary. It can be intimidating. It can be a lot of different things. So I pray over your people. I pray over myself that you would fill our mouths, that, that our speech would be full of grace and seasoned with salt, that we would know how to answer everybody. That, Father, we would love people where they are. And when you open the door to share the good news, we are ready. You told us to not worry about the things we would have to say, that you would speak through us. So speak through us. Help us to be willing and open vessels, Lord, so that people can know and celebrate what we have, what we already know, that there is hope in Jesus. We bless you and we thank you, Father, for this incredible responsibility. May we do well with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I have a reflection and a challenge for you. Here's my reflection. Are you making disciples? Are you willing to open, are you willing and open to step outside your comfort zone? Take some time over this next week and really think about it. Pray about it. Do you have a burden? Do I have a burden for the lost? Take some time over this next week and pray about it. And here's my challenge. Start or continue loving people with the love of Jesus. Love them. It's that easy. Just love on them. Get involved. Get involved with their story. Share, them, share with them your story. But also get involved here. We have many places that need help. Nursery. Right now we have a small rotation of a couple ladies. But once people start coming, we're going to need more workers down in nursery. Kids ministry. Right now Rachel and Allison are rotating. But once we have a baby, it's going to be a little more difficult. Uh, so to help share that burden, perhaps consider getting involved with kids ministry. The worship team. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I played drums two weeks ago. I'm not a drummer. I mean, I can fake it, but I, it's not the most impressive thing. Perhaps get involved with the worship team. How about in the sound booth? Not everybody's made for the stage. How about the sound booth? We got one guy that runs it right now, and that's Adam. Thank you, Adam. So perhaps get back there and... Learn what that is. I need to learn it because I have no, it's like Greek. I have no idea. Um, how about our outreach team? Tiffany puts together some pretty cool outreaches. Come and get involved with those kind of things. There's plenty of places, things that we could do individually in our own lives, but also here at the church to where we can impact our community, the people around us. We're surrounded by homes. There's a lot of people here. How can we impact our community. There's somewhere for us to get plugged in. There are people that we're in contact with every day that we can love, that we can share this hope found in the resurrection of Jesus. My friends, if we can grab hold of this charge for all of us, we can and we will impact Tooele. We are the witnesses of these things. You know Jesus. You know what he has done for you. You are his witness. And when we step out to do his work, he told us he would be with us. 
he would walk with us, filling our mouths with the words to speak. Then people will find freedom, peace, hope, strength, and purpose because of Jesus. My friends, we are charged with loving and reaching the world. I love you guys, and I thank you for being here. Have a great day. I'll see you next week. God bless.